Luke 4 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and there's a very familiar story in that particular passage. It's a story about how Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Now, there's a, another part of that story that's very important that really isn't talked about as much as Jesus' temptation. It starts in verse 14, and it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now on to a local rapper whose music is synonymous with the basketball culture. I mean, you can't even go to a Lakers game without hearing a track from Nipsey Hussle. Now Nipsey is giving back to his South LA community by renovating those same dilapidated basketball courts he grew up playing on. Rapper Nipsey Hussle goes back to where it all started. Right now we on 59th and 3rd Ave. I grew up a couple blocks from here. Uh, my grandma been in this area, in this community since, you know, decades. Before his music charted. To South LA. You know, it's one of our home courts. Only on this day, He's at 59th Street Elementary School. And rooted in this community since day one. Touring the basketball courts, he helped renovate in a partnership with Puma. This is what the courts looked like before. The backboards was a little ate up. You know, it was no color on the floor. It was a little ran down. And this is what they looked like after. Nipsey and Puma pumped 10 grand into them. Obviously, the artist was crazy, drew visuals. And um, it just brings some color, you know, to a place where all the kids are going to be every day. You know, surrounded by art, I think it's good for the brain. I think it's good for the spirit. And uh, Nipsey has posted online saying, Crenshaw made me. He'll always be fighting for Crenshaw. The work ain't done yet. The marathon continues. Like and then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Nipsey Hussle was shot dead outside his clothing store in L.A. The Grammy-nominated 33-year-old had earlier posted a cryptic message on Twitter saying, having strong enemies is a blessing. Just hours later, Nipsey Hussle, along with two others, were shot in the street. Nipsey had previously spoke about his ties to the Rolling Sixties neighborhood Crips, one of LA's largest gangs. But he appeared to put that behind him when he entered the rap industry working with artists like YG and The Game, who have been linked to Bloods, the Crips' rival gang. Fans gathered for a candlelit vigil near the location he was shot. Um, to, be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country and to be um, relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage. Almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth and not to make no dope. To make a difference. Doing this podcast today, really in the spirit of sadness. Um, I hate that I have to do this podcast, but I'm doing it for the same reason that I do many other podcasts is to provide context and nuance um, to a situation that I'm seeing on social media that I'm seeing in general media. Really, you know, people aren't embracing that nuance and aren't embracing that context. And so, you know, here I am I'm trying to you know, make sense of something that's senseless. And that is the unfortunate and untimely passing of Nipsey Hussle. And with that, I introduce you guys to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. So glad you guys are checking in. So around the time I was watching some of the college basketball games yesterday, yesterday being Sunday, I heard this news about 
uh, Nipsey Hussle, you know, had been shot six times. And it's just so amazing, like how, you know, we come into knowledge and awareness of folks. I actually was having a conversation with my wife and, um, you know, I was telling her that, you know, I do listen to some Nipsey Hussle. Definitely, you know, listen uh, to the most recent album, uh, Victory Lap. And she was saying, you know, you listen to Nipsey Hussle? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, you know, do you listen to uh, basically asking her, does she listen to Nipsey Hussle? Because that's how I really, I guess I want to say that's her, her cup of tea. And but she was saying, you know, she knew about Nipsey Hussle through Lauren London. And so I laughed and it was kind of it was just amazing to me how, you know, how we can come into knowledge of celebrities and entertainers like just from completely different realms. And I think it just it speaks to, you know, just the kind of the nature of. Uh, you know, like popular culture and, and entertainment, you know, particularly black entertainment. But in that particular instance, I think it just speaks to, you know, how uh, Nipsey Hussle in his own way just, you know, was able to affect. And, you know, a lot of people knew of him just maybe from different walks of life. And then obviously, you know, hearing about the fact that, that he had died, um, you know, obviously was not just only devastating to, you know, the rap community. But I just think people in general because they understood, you know, um, what uh, Nipsey represented, I know just it's still, you know, so many shockwaves, you know, in the music industry and, you know, uh, the urban music industry and definitely in rap. Where I became particularly disappointed and really the spirit of this podcast is I'm watching people turn this young man. He was a young man, 33 years old. Um, I'm watching people turn, you know, this death into like a referendum or into like you know, a conversation about uh, gang affiliations. I'm watching this turn to a conversation about, you know, how black men feel about black women or how black women feel about black men. You know, I'm watching this turn into so many, you know, unhealthy conversations. Do black lives matter if, you know, we're shooting our own people? And then I, I really just want to clear the air. Um, not so much clear the air, but the issue that I have with folks is, is that, and I think this is just one of the, uh, it's it's to me, it's in, it's enlightening from my perspective, but it's, it's enlightening and disheartening at the same time, because what happens is, is that social media shows so much of people's character. And it's like I said this morning um, on my Facebook and actually on the making a difference uh, page on Facebook. And you guys, I certainly would encourage you to follow that. But I think it it speaks poorly of people's self-esteem. And I think it speaks poorly of people's ability to deal with tragedy when you take. Um, this senseless murder and you you turn to referendums on, you know, just these bigger ideas, not only among black people, but just among humankind. So in the first half of this uh, episode, I want to talk about, you know, uh, that those unfortunate viewpoints. And I even want to extend that to have a conversation about some of the conspiracy theories, you know, about Nipsey's death that I think are unfounded, especially since the facts of this particular uh, case have not yet come out. And I'm going to talk about that on the first half. But on the B side, I want to talk about affiliations, because I think one of the well, obviously, aside from the obvious tragedy of this young man being murdered, um, I think there's a real tragedy in limiting uh, this young man's musical career. And certainly what he did in the community, I would hate to see that limited to the fact that he was gang affiliated. And again, we will talk about that on the B side of this episode of Making a Difference. But first, I want to shout out. Uh, my good friend Jay Harvey, your Allstate Insurance agent, Evans, Georgia. Jay just had a birthday, man. So happy belated birthday to you, man. I wish y'all the best, obviously. Jay opened up his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people. He's a husband and a father, and he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can get a quick personalized insurance quote today from Jay Harvey. Give him a ring at 706-434-8106. Again, that's 706-434-8106. His office is located at 3118-8 William Few Parkway in Evans, Georgia. If you need insurance for your car home, life, or business, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. Before I start my commentary, I really just want to take some time to just humanize this situation and just really think about like what has happened here, um, just fundamentally and just uh, just the reality of, of what we what we have to deal with here. You have not only just someone who was so influential in his community, but you have uh, a father, a um I'm not sure if him and Laura London, I know they were in a relationship. I'm not sure if they were married or not, but nevertheless, obviously, um, you know, they were intimate. They were significant others. There's an interview I'm going to share with you guys a little later that just really just shows kind of just how much fun they had with each other and just, you know, the, the appreciation that they have for one another. But I mean, all of those things are lost now. And it's not just that we lose people, you know, in the present, but we lose, you know, what individuals may have been 
20 years from now, 10 years from now, 40 years from now, even when we talk about, you know, just uh, just wildly influential people like Dr. King and Malcolm X. It's not just the fact that they were killed before the age of 40. It's the fact that what would Dr. King and Malcolm X have looked like as elders? What would they have looked like, you know, at, at 60, at 80, at 90, you know, with just the toss of the head and just the, the chance to really have an evolution, you know, a continual evolution of thought. And I think that's, you know, just one of the really awesome things uh, about Nipsey Hussle, just the more I'm learning and the more I'm researching this day. You know, we throw around the word revolution a lot, but I don't think we really think about the idea of evolution and being an evolutionary. And I think, um, you know, when you look at an individual like Nipsey Hussle, and just, you know, his desire for entrepreneurship and, and how that manifested itself. Um, and this is why I think it's just like I said, I'm going to talk about this on the second half, why the gang affiliation just really does him a disservice, because what I see in this um, particular individual is a person who grew up a certain way, but didn't want that for the people that came after him. And so that's why he had such a relentless passion for wanting to improve uh, his community. At any rate, got up this morning, did my usual you know perusal of social media. And I saw this post. Um, it was I think it looks like an Instagram post or something like that. But uh, it's uh, from an Ali uh, underscore uh, Saint Lunatic. That's A-L-I um, underscore S-T-L-U-N-A-T-I-C. It's like it ain't no hope for us. The police want us dead. Our baby mamas don't like us. The teachers won't teach us and feds want to indict us. The judge don't believe us. Old folks don't trust us. The church don't want us and our daddies don't love us. Uh, hashtag the black man. And this is um, a commentary overlooking a picture of Nipsey Hussle. And, you know, I read things like this. And to me, it's so counterproductive uh, to even just the the practice of, of mourning, not just Nipsey Hussle, but other other individuals. And I've heard similar commentaries because there's commentaries, you know, I'm hearing things like, you know, do black lives really, really matter if this was a black, you know, uh, with the assumption that. You know, that this was uh, and I, I hate using this terminology, but just for the sake of this conversation, black on black crime. And what I realize is this, is that some people use social media in such a selfish way. And I think just the nature of social media is selfish in and of itself, because what it does is, is that it centers individuals and it doesn't center ideas. It says, OK, it, it prioritizes what. One individual says whether it's right or wrong over everything else. And this is why, you know, out of social media, you get some of the, the sociopathy that we get from individuals. And this is and I just think just at a at an entry, you know, at an entry level, um, just uh, presence or participation in social media. You know, this is why you get just the bad takes. And it just seems like social media is something that I think has become something that's so depressing because you have to endure people who say things on social media that they wouldn't even say in public <laughs> and they end up, you know, they say these things. But then the other part of that is, is that it's just the, the group think. And when you have group think that says, you know, we should use Nipsey Hussle's death as um, a, a commentary on black on black crime or a commentary on gang affiliation or a commentary on, you know, uh, how black men feel about black, about black women and how black women feel about black men. It's just something that takes a bad situation and makes it worse to be perfectly clear. And again, this is why, you know, I'm, I'm doing this podcast. Part of why the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because here's here's the, the long and the short of it. When you talk about black on black crime, understand, that first of all, that crime is intraracial. Yes, black people, um, the when you, when you talk about murders, uh, yes, there the percentage of black people who, you know, uh, violently um, assault black people is is higher than the assault of white on black. Yes. And yes. And I'll tell you something else. Uh, white on white crime has similar rates. Both of those rates are in, in uh, the 80th percentile. We don't have conversations on white on white crime. Part of that, uh, the majority of that is, of course, the, uh, you know, media narratives and media influence. But the other part of that is what we've bought into as um, as black people. And it's something that really hurts my heart because when I see black people talking like this, what it shows me is, is that the misinformation is so real and not only the misinformation, but the, the lack of self-esteem 
is so real because even when you do have an incident of uh, what people deem as black on black crime, there is that in and of itself is an act of low self-esteem. Because what is it like to attack someone, to kill someone, to violently offend someone who may look like you, who may have the same skin color as you, who lives in the same neighborhood as you? To want to eradicate this per- that person is not only uh, an indication of poor self-esteem, but also an indica- indication of selfishness. But even as I as I go back to the beginning of this commentary, it says it's like it ain't no hope for us. And a lot of what I see in our in among black people in terms of when you get these type of social commentaries is I see there is a, a separation from our history that is so woefully apparent and. That separation from history, I just feel like it affects us on all fronts. And for some black folks, it puts us in a position where we speak against our own people and we speak against our own interests. I see it all the time with reparations and I'm not going to go there today. Well, that's not entirely true. You guys will see later on. But it's like it ain't no hope for us. The police want us dead. So let's stop right there. The police want us dead. And so what happens is, is that because we have no awareness of history, because we have no uh, awareness of politics, we don't understand that we as black people, as taxpayers, we pay into the system. So we have a problem with the system. It's just like and I tell people, it's like you go to the restaurant and you don't like the service there. What do you do? You may ask for your money back. You may say, well, I'm not going to take this food or you may not peruse that particular restaurant anymore. What's our recourse politically? It's to challenge local And it's to challenge local city officials, whether they look like you or don't look like you. If they are in a position of representation, then you hold them accountable. But we don't understand this or maybe we don't understand it. Maybe we're just accepting of how things are. And then or maybe we're afraid to challenge those people. And so it's easier for us to say, you know what, I'm going to attack the people in my community who look like me because they're easier targets. If the police want you dead and you're a taxpayer and it's not obviously not this simple. But maybe the solution is to defund um, law enforcement. Maybe it's to and, it, and it's to look at the reality of the fact that we pour we're pouring more money into law enforcement as crime rates have gone down for decades. It doesn't correlate. We're pouring more money into law enforcement. As we're taking money out of education, as we're taking money out of infrastructure, as we're taking money out of city services. So what is it that makes us feel like? As black people, as not only black people, as a society that says that we prioritize policing, we prioritize our response to fear over our response to edification, because understand infrastructure makes you better. Understand education makes you better. Policing doesn't make you better. Policing doesn't make you better, even in the presentation of of policing as we see it as a society. We use terms like community policing. But what does that really look like? Particularly for black people, what is what is what does that even mean? Community policing when you can see and I and we can just the names just Stefan Clark. uh, I mean, my God, so many different names and incidents and situations and they're happening day after day after day. And still, we want to pour money into policing. No, no. Our baby mamas don't like us. I won't go so far as to call this a prevailing notion, but I will say that it's dishonest and short sighted. When we talk about relationships, I think you have to look for or I'll just say the reason why a relationship doesn't work out. It's not entirely um, because of one individual or the other. There, there are reasons why these things don't work. But even when we talk about the baby mama dynamic, which is to say that. You may find yourself in a situation where if you have a child with a woman and the situation doesn't work out, the man may be responsible for may have a financial burden of responsibility. But that comes with fatherhood. And that is a result of there being times or there being situations where fathers aren't taking care of their situations. And, I, and, and that's not even um, that. I mean, that's that's there's I mean, there are more exceptional fathers. There are, you know, more really good dads than there are deadbeats. But that doesn't excuse the fact that there are there are situations that I mean, that is I mean, child support is a real thing. But then the resentment because of what may be um, installed or implemented, you know, in terms of government like this, like that conversation has turned into this whole. Well, I hate my baby mama because I got to pay child support. That's unhealthy and it's unhealthy because it absolves accountability of a fact that you had a child with this individual. 
And I already know what the responses are going to be. Well, Ken, uh, you just don't know my baby mama. Well, Ken, I mean, she's taking this money. I'm giving to her, man. She's not even spending it on the child. And my challenge to you all who may be listening, who, who may have those concerns is if you don't have custody of your child to get custody of your child. What does that look like? What type of sacrifice is that going to mean for you? Count those costs and assess that and assess that for what it is, man. Because here's what's happening as long as we have these conversations on social media. There is a noticeable rift between black men and black women. And that is even, you know, even as we see that, look, black women, black women and black men are still marrying each other at an 80 percent clip. I mean, you're not you're not I don't care what Ebony Essence, these magazines say, you're not look, you're not doing anything with black marriage, but it's not enough to for us to marry each other with that type of frequency. It's important that we have functional and effective marriages with the understanding that a functional and effective marriage is going to yield functional and effective families, which is going to yield functional and effective children. That's what we have to look at instead of looking at, well, this relationship didn't work because we got together because we were selfish. And I was looking for this from this woman and or maybe it wasn't maybe you weren't looking for marriage. Maybe you were looking for a one night stand and you got this individual pregnant. Now you're paying child support. But see, we don't get we don't have that context and nuance when you just say baby mamas don't want us. The teachers won't teach us and the feds want to indict us. And now this is starting to sound like a rap song. And I'm not even saying that these things aren't true. What I'm saying, I'm saying two things. One, what is your solution to the problem? Seriously, what what are the solutions to the problem? And I think people know the solutions. I just think there are times where folks it's easier for folks to just cry and rant and complain instead of just fighting toward those solutions, because for everything that's on this list, these solutions aren't easy, but there are viable solutions that that require people to organize as a community that require individuals to sacrifice things to attain this level of greatness, to attain this level of um, where we're needing to overcome. But not only that, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is why attribute all of this and put all of this burden on a man who is no longer here to speak on his behalf as how does Nipsey feel about these things? We don't know. We just we got a commentary. We just say, hey, we'll just put it on a, on a celebrity, on a dead man who cannot speak for himself, who now can only speak through his music. And I will play some of that music later on on this episode to make it a difference. But the long story short of that is, is, is stop using tragedy to indict the black community and stop using tragedy to indict black people. Like who, like who, who are you? Who are y'all? And this is black people doing this, man. I, you know, if Fox news wants to say, Hey, you know, Nipsey Hussle was a, was a, a crip. He was a gang member. I get that from, I get that from Fox news. And that's why I don't watch Fox news. That's why I rebuke them every chance I get, but coming from black folks, man, we got, we got to be better than this. And really what, and as I'm having this conversation with you, because look, my my synapses, my brain synapses are firing off even now, man, because this this conversation is evolving as I'm talking with you guys. And what I'm seeing is, is that and I actually had this conversation with my dad literally just this morning, man. I, I love my father, man. My father's uh, like turning a corner on 70 years old, man. He still is not only functional, man. He's he's just that generation, man. It's just something they just work, 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 work. But, you know, I have debates with and conversations with my dad where I'm able to throw stuff off him. We argue about stuff, but I'm just grateful to have that with my dad, man. I love my dad. Um, my gosh, man, just more than I can even tell you in a podcast, but we're having a conversation and I was saying that, you know, I lament that, you know, when it comes to conspiracy theories and, you know, these crazy social media posts, like our imagination can just run wild. But then when it comes to like having a political uh, imagination to say, you know what, Hey, we deserve reparations to say, Hey, um, you know, the democratic party isn't doing right by us the way they should, despite the fact that there's an overwhelming number of black people that vote Democrat. All of a sudden we don't have this imagination and we have to graduate from that. Again, we have to be better. And so I talk about, you know, I'm thinking about just the imagination that comes with, you know, conspiracy theories and, you know, the Snipsy hustle and the whole Dr. CB bit. I want to talk about that very briefly before we go to this break, because understand something, you know, I understand Nipsey was working on this documentary and, you know, conversations about holistic health, especially in an era of, where healthcare is not only healthcare in terms of you know should we have universal healthcare who should pay for healthcare you know um, healthcare the government is responsible for that's only a that's a significant part of the conversation but we also have to look at the actual healthcare that's being administered to uh, those of us living in this country we have to look at healthcare um, from the perspective of you know how does 
how do how do labor conditions factor into that? How does the food that we eat, the food that is served to us, you know, at restaurants, not only fast food restaurants, but, you know, nice sit down places like having a, a conversation about healthcare is comprised of a lot more, you know, than one or two topics. And again, I think this is what I'm saying with Nipsey Hussle is, is that there's just a particular brand of empowerment and enlightenment. And so that's what we that's what we would have seen with this documentary. And here's another thing. And, and th- like I say, the, the conspiracy th- uh, piece to me is is unfounded simply because for starters. I don't have to look at a documentary to see you know, what uh, Dr. CB or Sebi may have believed in, in terms of holistic health, in terms of, you know, um, things we should be eating or, you know, an alkaline diet. That it's not like that <laughs> Nipsey Hussle didn't have the market closed on that. And to even, you know, if documentaries were a game changer, man, I mean, how effective would have uh, Ava DuVernay's 13th event? How many documentaries have we seen over the course of human history? How many documentaries have we seen in the past five years that should have changed the conversation on police brutality? That should have changed the conversation on, um, you know, uh, the prison industrialized, the industrialized prison complex. We've watched documentaries on Khalif Browder. We've watched documentaries on Trayvon Martin. We've watched documentaries on Sandra Bland. Police brutality is still rampant. So it's not like the documentary is, oh, man, that Dr. CB documentary would have changed the game. It's nonsensical. It's foolish. But these are the type of conversations that we have on social media because that is the extent of some people's imagination. It is, oh, well, this man was killed. There had to be some foul play involved. It's not enough to call it a senseless tragedy. It's, you know, we got to find out, you know, the the depths of why it happened in a holistic health documentary and stay woke, brothers and sisters. It can be very exhausting. But the... The solace for me, and I won't so much call it solace, it's just that situations like these really show me like who people are, not just, you know, the people that I interact with and just, you know, I guess you can say regular folk, um, but also celebrities, because some of the commentaries that I'm seeing like really just show the depths of self-hatred that people have. And it's it's so unhealthy. And I think just beyond that, I think it just is, is diametrically opposed and it just goes against everything um, that this young man stood for. And this that this young man believed in uh, that young man being Nipsey Hussle. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a break here. I want to play this record uh, with Nipsey Hussle. Um, it's called Dedication. It's incidentally, it's why I named this podcast Dedication Man was uh, for this track. It's a record he did with uh, Kendrick Lamar. And this is an, and I, the reason why I'm playing this track aside from the fact that it's dope uh, is because, you know, if people want to make this about gang affiliation, understand that when Nipsey got into the industry, and that's why I used that soundbite um, to start off the podcast, is that when he got into rap, I'm not saying that those ties were completely gone, but clearly, you know, he saw the importance of uh, working across the aisle, if you will, um, with individuals who may have had different affiliations and understood the importance of that, um, not only as you know, a means of uh, unifying the community, but just showing, you know, um, people that there was another way and that violence isn't the answer. There's a lot of introspection in this song as well, man. I just want to challenge you guys to listen to the lyrics. And I mean, me, I'm the type of person that not only listens to lyrics, but I I, I go to genius.com. You know, I look I look up lyrics, um, the context, um, context and content are things that are so important to me, not just in rap lyrics, but just in, you know, all of the things that people say. And so, um, with that in mind, go ahead and listen to this record. You're listening to Making a Difference. Look, my nigga, this is dedication. This is anti-hesitation. It's a real nigga celebration. It's a dime block declaration. 59th and 5th Ave, granny house with vanilla wafers. It's the remedy to separation. Tupac of my generation. Blue pill in the fucking matrix. Red rose in the gray pavement. Young black nigga trapped and he can't change it. No, he a genius, he just can't claim it. Cause they left him no platform to explain it. He frustrated so he get faded. But deep down inside he know you can't fail. How long should I stay dedicated? How long till opportunity meet preparation? I need some real nigga reparations. Or I run up in your bank just for recreation. Dedication. Hard work plus patience to some more of my sacrifice. I'm done waiting, I'm done waiting. Told you that I wasn't playing. Now you hear what I've been saying. Dedication. Dedication. Ah. Ah. Look, 
I spent my whole life thinking out the box. Boxing homies, three on one, got DP, but I ain't dropped. Chirp on me, here I come. Spin around the block, they broke on me. Said I ran a stop sign, but that's a lie. I spent my whole life staring at the stage, playing Sega, daddy smoking shirt, mama playing spades, catching papers. Grandma said I get some Jordans for my grades. That's my baby. When she died, my heart broke a hundred ways. I spent my whole life trying to make it, trying to chase it. The cycle of a black man divided, trying to break it. You take a lost shit, don't cry about it, just embrace it. Minor setback for major comeback, that's my favorite. My nigga L said you do a song with Nip, K dot here better grip. I said he a man first, you hear the words out his lips about flourishing from the streets to black businesses. Level four yard living, giving to false imprisonment. Listen close, my nigga, it's bigger than deuces and foes, my nigga. Since elementary, we close, my nigga, you're straight like that. I give you the game, go back to the turf and give it right back. For generations, we've been dealt. Bad hands with bad plans. Prove your dedication by hopping out Grand Ams. I'm at the premiere, politicking with Top Nip and Snoop. Damn, Pac watching the way we groove for dedication. Hold up. Nah, this ain't entertainment. It's four niggas on a slave ship. These soldiers are spirituals I swam against them waves with. Ended up on shore to their amazement. I hope the example I set's not contagious. Lockers behind gates, but can't tame us. Used to be stay safe, now stay dangerous. Cause ain't no point playing defense, nigga. That's why I dove off the deep end, nigga, without a life jacket. Couple mil, tour the world, all my life cracking. Cook the books, bring it back so it's no taxes. Royalties, publishing, plus our own masters. I'd be damned if I slay for some white crackers. I was mapping this out, I hit the heights backwards. Hopping out the 85 and rebot classes. Read a couple marathons just to get established. To make it happen, you got to have dedication. Hard work, plus patience, to some more of my sacrifice, I'm done waiting, I'm done waiting, told you that I wasn't playing, now you hear what I've been saying, dedication, it's dedication, is Lauren Macon and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Do you need insurance for your car, home, life, or business? Then trust Jay Harvey, your Allstate insurance agent in Evans, Georgia. He opened his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people. As a husband and father, he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can get a personalized insurance quote today by calling 706 704-8106. Jay's office is located at 3118-8 William Few Parkway in Evans, Georgia. Remember, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Man, I'm I'm listening to this song, man. Um, Dedication. And, you know, Nipsey's talking about these ideas, man, like, you know, I want reparations and just different things like that. And you know, about having his masters and stuff like that. And I, a, a lot could be told from an individual man in their lyrics. And, you know, look, I should have done my parental advisory, man. I, I didn't. Um, and I apologize if you got your kids listening to this podcast, man. I just think it's incumbent for us as a society um, when we think about and, and there are terms that people throw around like PC. And you all know I talk a lot about, you know, respectability, uh, politics and different things like that. I think it's important, you know, when we have conversations about urban communities to understand, you know, um, what poverty looks like. And poverty is not always pretty. And when people tell you those stories, you know, it's not going to be roses and stuff like that. You're going to get profanity. You're going to get drug culture, uh, different things like that. But I just salute those individuals who don't define themselves by what they've been through. Um, And I want and I'll say with Nipsey, because Nipsey talks about some of those things. But it's clear that he's an individual who. Um, has graduated from that, who, uh, again, as I said earlier in the podcast, um, is someone who invests in his community so kids don't have to go through the stuff that he went through. But I want to talk about affiliations for a second, uh, because, you know, I 
it's it's one thing. And this is not a this is not a false equivalence because and, and first of all, let me say that as a person who does this podcast and this is one of my criticisms uh, with, of Killer Mike um, in his uh, season one of Trigger Warning because he had the uh, the Cripple Cola and I felt like that he was trivializing his presentation of gang culture. I felt like he was trivializing it. And to me, if you're going to have a conversation about gang culture and different things like that, understand, you know, if this is something that's geared toward youth, then the entire story needs to be told. When you talk about gang culture, you need to talk about the violence of it, not in a way that it's like, oh, this is cool. But no, this is not cool. This is something where, you know, lives are being uh, not only devalued, but lives are being lost. And so I think that's a very important part of the gang culture conversation. And me, um, myself, I separate myself from that because I understand what it has meant in terms of just the loss of black life. And even as we look at the situation with Nipsey, um, I can tell you right now, by virtue of his affiliations, um, I can anticipate that there will be some violence um, in you know certain pockets of Los Angeles. And that, you know, is um, that just adds to the, the tragedy of just a senseless situation. But as I sit up here and I think about affiliations, um, I would be remiss if I did not speak about uh, the importance of affiliations, not just in, uh, you know, uh, black neighborhoods and in black impoverished neighborhoods, but just in our country. I mean, here we just had a college admissions scandal where people who affluent people, um, very rich and wealthy people gamed the system. They bribed college coaches. They bribed um, college, you know, advisors, uh, folks like that to get their kids into certain schools. Why? Because of affiliation, because they understand that, you know, we think that America is a meritocracy, but it's not because if hard work was the true indicator of success, if hard work really, really yielded um, the things that we think hard work is going to yield, you know, health, wealth, all these type of things, then black people would by far be the most successful people in America. We have invested the most in this country. Even now we're investing the most in this country. That's why I get so offended when people say black people are lazy. Huh? Black people, the same people working 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And but these people are, are but we're but we're lazy. The country that's being built on our backs and even now is still on our back, even as we're treated like second class citizens or lazy. I rebuke it. But here with this college admissions uh, scandal, uh, you have affluent parents who understand that, hey, it's important that my child get into Yale, that my child get into USC, because it's not so much what they know. It's who they know and whom they're affiliated with. So there we see the power of affiliation, but understand something. Their desire for affiliation comes at the expense of people who are more deserving, people who uh, may be discriminated against. And this is why, you know, I don't want to hear anybody else say anything about uh, affirmative action and talk down on affirmative action because this, the system is imbalanced and affirmative action is certainly not balancing the scales. It is something that is necessary and it's something that actually needs to be tweaked so that um, the outcomes can be improved um, to help uh, African-Americans and other people of color. And of course, affiliations in this country go even deeper than that, because our entire political infrastructure is based on affiliation. It's the two party system, Democrats and Republicans. I'm going to play a little bit of Kendrick Lamar here, man. Uh, hood politics. Uh, love this record, man. And I'm going to go at it from there. Streets don't fail me now They tell me it's a new gang in town From Compton to Congress Set tripping all around Ain't nothing new but a fluid new Democrats And Republicans Red state versus a blue state Which one you governing? They give us guns and drugs Call us thugs Making they promise to fuck with you No condom they fuck with you Obama say what it do Kendrick Lamar's comparison between Democrats and Republicans And Crips and Bloods I, I think is very clever Just within the framework of the song And this song is actually off of the To Pimp a Butterfly album, which is uh, my favorite album from Kendrick Lamar. I know some of y'all are saying, wait, good kid, Mad City. Come, what's up, Ken? I mean, that's a great album and it's all right. I just, hey, uh, TPAB is my favorite. Anyway, back to the uh, political piece. You know, when you look at Demo Democrats and Republicans, I mean, within 
you know, those two uh, warring uh, political parties. I mean, you have basically the political infrastructure of this country, not just on a national level, not just on a federal level, but also even when you get into city politics, it's broken down into um, partisan, you know, uh, partisanism. Now, the issue and the concern that I have with that, you know, in the present day is here we are in a situation in this country where not only do you have hyper partisanism, which is to say you have these extremist views, uh, both from Democrats, both from Republicans. But we're also in a situation where neither party is really serving uh, the black community is not serving black people. I understand, you know, again, that, you know, black people vote overwhelmingly Demo uh, Democrat. But since the Voting Rights Act, since, you know, the late 60s, what have Democrats done for black people? And you could say, well, more than Republicans have. But then here's where I am now. We're at a point where we're having an important conversation in this country, not just about, you know, reparations, but about health care. And what I'm saying is, is that both liberals and conservatives are doing the bidding of the rich more than they're doing the bidding of, uh, you know, not only laymen, but particularly uh, laymen and people of color. And ultimately, if you're in politics, your affiliation determines your fate. I mean, depending on the state that you're in, depending on the municipality or town that you're in, your affiliation determines how far you can go within the political infrastructure. I'm saying all of that to say this. You know, we talk about affiliations and we characterize and define people by their affiliations instead of the things that they're doing or are not doing in their communities, not just uh, in hip hop, but also, you know, in uh, within politics. You're listening to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I want to switch gears here real quick and uh, let you guys in on this conversation. This was a uh, actually a conversation that was sponsored and put together by GQ. Uh, the magazine. And it's a conversation between Nipsey Hussle and Lauren London. It's something I want to, you know, share with you guys, because as much as we talk about, you know, the things that people do in the community, I really want to show kind of the relationship that these two had just a, seemed like a very fun loving relationship. And as I mentioned before, I mean, there are so many layers to, you know, this tragedy and what's happened because of just this, you know, the senseless uh, murder of this young man. And one of these one of those things that where there's a gap. Um, is now, you know, Lauren London is without her significant other. And that, and that's really as as we're doing, as I'm doing this podcast and I'm thinking about so many things. When things happen, I don't think we take a holistic view in terms of, you know, how we look at a situation. And when I think about holistic, I think about this idea of looking at things, looking at the whole and looking at, you know, the composite of something, you know, whether it's a family, whether it's government, whatever it is. And you know, when you when you lose something or you lose someone, you know, there's an effort to try to, to fill it in. And this is an idea that I, that I may explore in a, in a later podcast. But I think our inclination as as a society is instead of talking about issues that make us feel uncomfortable or dealing with, you know, the pain that exists in the present or maybe exists in the past. I think we just shy away from that. And when we do that, I think we fail to, you know, address things holistically. So as I'm, you know, I'm talking about a lot of different ideas uh, within the framework of this conversation, you know, you know, I'm talking about, you know, uh, affiliation, I'm talking, you know, I'm talking about, you know, things that, that uh, Nipsey did in the community. I also want to talk about just this, you know, very briefly, or rather let you guys listen in on this, um, this conversation uh, between two people who deeply love each other. So check this out. Hey, I'm Lauren London sitting here with, don't cheat. I ain't even, I, 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 I was looking, I at, I was looking at my jury. I wasn't even looking at the, um, the question. Okay. Take two. Hey, what's up? I'm Lauren London, and I'm sitting here with the amazing Nipsey Hussle, the great. This is the GQ Couples Quiz. Are you ready? Let's do it. He's always ready. See, he stays ready, so he doesn't have to get ready. You got the script, damn. You know, babe, I'm an actress. So, what is my favorite movie of all time? You got like three or four. Of all time, though. The one I'm always like, one day, if Gone someone... Gone with the wind? Yeah. Can I help That's you right. out a little bit? That's right. Yeah, it's okay. right. I got one. You got one. Let's go. One for hustle. What is my favorite color? I don't know if you ever told me that, but I'll just say red. Because we joked about it. Or purple. Purple. Uh, I never remember you saying this is my favorite color. Purple for royalty. So I got that right too. Okay, you did. You're always right. It wasn't ever like we had that combo, this is my favorite color, so that's just some shit we gotta establish now. 
five years and now he learns that purple's my favorite color. Who is my celebrity crush? <laughs> you don't tell me no stuff like that. I ain't the type boyfriend that his girl be like, this my celebrity crush. So she's probably, that's some shit you know, I don't know. You. That's I don't have a celebrity crush. I'm with my celebrity crush. Right, there you go. Who's your celebrity crush? I ain't got no celebrity crush. Me. Nice question, girl, come on. What's my favorite nickname to call you? Hustle. Right? Yeah. That's what was it in your mind? Babe, but. Oh, right, right Hustle. Right. I call you Hustle. Describe my perfect day or date. How are we gonna tell if it's right though? You gonna, you I gonna, mean, I'll, I'll tell you if it's in the ballpark. I mean, you would like some good food, some a good playlist, and like nature, I think. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. How did you, where did she write that down though? How did you check that, like if that was right? It's an internal. So she just telling me if I'm right or wrong. Yes. Right. What was the last book I read? Title. I know the author. I know it's a Queen of Four book. There you go. Sacred title. Woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in tone, man. You know what I'm saying? What's my cell phone number? I don't know. It's 2018. I, I, I think about that too. Like, cell phones remove known numbers by heart, so I don't really know nobody. Knows. Do you know the area code? 718. All right. Yeah. Next question. If I could travel anywhere in the world, where would I go? Valley. Yep. I got that right. Yep. This one you better get right. Who is better with Cross? His dad. No. Course. What you mean? That's easy. Me. Of course. And that's wrong. I'm me. To, I'm supposed to say you? Yeah. Nah. I, I changed that. I don't, I don't think so, but all right. Next question. What was Cross's first word? Baba. No, hustle dada. Oh. They was all to me in the same window though. They I, were. It was like three but words daddy. he was saying at the same Dada time. was his first word. What's my favorite food to cook for you? My favorite or your favorite? I mean, I think it's the same. Tacos. Yeah. <laughs> Some LA shit. What's my guilty pleasure TV show? Mob Wives or some shit. <laughs> One of them wives, housewives. The housewives, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where did we first meet and what did I think of you the first time we met? She was head over heels sprung from day one. And, and he we got met. this wrong. We met, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> For the first time in person on Crenshaw Slauson at my store. Yes, but what did I think? What did you say you thought or what did no, I think No, what you do you thought? think I think? I thought. thought she was head over heels, committed and ready to roll. You know what I'm saying? Right, so you got half of that yeah. right. Yeah, uh, it was on Crenshaw yeah, Slauson and I thought point. he was very <laughs> tall. That's oh. what you said. Yeah, you yeah, thought he was tall. Yeah, I like, he's tall. Do I like spicy or sweet better? Spicy. No. I do. I like spicy. I like sweet. Yeah. yeah. What's my favorite flavor ice cream? Chocolate. I hate chocolate. It's vanilla, chocolate, or strawberry. Which one? No, it's cookies and cream, pralines and cream, Which, So what's your favorite? Cookies and cream. Yeah. Okay. This might be kind of hard. What was our most memorable date? Oh, I can tell you. What? We <laughs> went to Noble and we made a dare that you would jump in the ocean with your clothes on and you did. Yeah. yeah, and I lost those Karen Walker glasses. Exactly. What's my middle name? Gina. Fuck you. What's <laughs> my middle name? You <laughs> know no, I knew that. Okay, what color are my eyes? Brown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not hard. No. What was my first acting job? Oh yeah, you was in Soul Plane. Yeah. That shit got cut. That's, that's a good story. <laughs> I was in Soul Plane as passenger number two, and I was cut out. If I can live anywhere, where would it be? Malibu. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. What's my zodiac sign? Um, sad. Yep. Yeah. What am I the most comfortable sleeping in? Nothing. Yep. What's my shoe size? Small. Nah, but like, I don't know, four, three maybe? Four? Four. Yeah. You got it. I'm killing it, bro. I'm batting like a thousand. I mean, you know. Come on, girl. Shit. What's my favorite thing to order at Starbucks? Since you've been with me, you copy my order, low key. No. All the little cinnamon dolce, latte. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I down there got all of this shit right. What Come shit? On. It's been a seven I need, years. I need, I need her to. Answer my question. No, that's not the, what that's this game part is. two. Okay, what's the best way to make me mad? 
I don't even care or think about that type of thing, honestly. I don't You gotta, care. you a, mm -hmm. I don't think like that. What's the best way to make my Ignoring my text. Yeah, I don't, you know That'd piss me off. What's my favorite part of my body? It's gonna sound real arrogant and vain, your face. <laughs> Is that your favorite part? Or your nose, you, you like your nose. I like my nose. Yeah, you told me that before. What's your favorite part of my body? Um, your ass, right? Oh. You know what I'm saying? Of course. What I'm gonna say, your foot, your leg, be fake on camera. What nicknames do I call Cross? Pootie. That's really your main one, Pootie. I know Pootie. Mm -hmm. And Papa Bear. Pootie. When he came out, I'm like, I don't know, who knows, something. His mama shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay, what's my favorite song of yours? Don't give a fuck. Yep. That's your favorite one, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Describe me in three words. This is turning to Lauren Praise, for sure. Uh, charismatic, for sure. I would say like honorable. And emotional. <laughs> emotional, okay. That's that's honest. Okay. You're an actress, there's nothing wrong with that. All right. What's my favorite thing about you? That's a long list, you know what I'm saying? The favorite one, though. I would say my spirit. No? I do like your spirit. Yeah. And that was my last question. Here's your score. You did? Excellent. Amazing. Yeah, you know I mean. I'm not surprised. Wow. Uh, we'll be back for how well she knows me. <laughs> the, the reciprocity of that is so telling because, and it's just, it. I feel robbed in this moment, man. I feel robbed because not we lost his part like on a very, very small, small, small level. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm waiting for them to come back, you know, for her, to, for him, for Nipsey to ask, you know, Lauren London and 30 questions. I was looking forward to that. And that's taken away. And that's a very small loss, man. And it's just like, man, it's like now the gravity of it. And, and then like I can only imagine like just what Lauren London is going through right now, man. Like now you got to raise you know, a kid or kids without this, you know, without just someone that you, that you deeply love, man. It's just like, like, bro. And that's really how I honestly wanted to end the podcast because I feel like so much of what people say and how people feel, you know, they say a lot of these things out of fear. But if you guys, have, you know, as long as you guys have been listening to the podcast, one thing that you know about me is like, I'm I'm not afraid, man. And if I am afraid, I'm not going to let that fear dictate how I live my life and how I do what I do. And, you know, I started out uh, the podcast talking about, you know, Luke four. But one of the key ideas in the Bible is that love is greater than fear. And I think that's a an attitude that we need to embrace in our communities. I think that's an attitude that Nipsey, you know, upheld and lived by even, you know, up until his passing. And I really wish that people would try to, you know, uphold that legacy and try to live their lives, you know, in love and not in fear. Um, I, I wish people would try to do that as much as they try to, you know, determine, you know, how this brother was killed and why this brother was killed. I really wish people would spend the energy celebrating greatness and not only celebrating greatness, but understand that, you know, there are people out here, people in the community who are, you know, similarly working, you know, toward progress. And a lot of times we we skip over these people, man. And it's sad that it takes tragedy. It, it, it's taken a tragedy for so many people to find out, you know, like who Nipsey Hussle was, not just as an artist, but just as somebody who deeply cared about it, uh, deeply cared about the community, man. And we got to do a better job of just appreciating people and appreciating life in the present instead of, you know, wishing that or, or being regretful that we didn't appreciate it more in the moment. And with that, man, going to close out another episode of Making a Difference. I want to encourage you guys. I can't believe I didn't say this at the start of the show, man, but I just this is more about a dedication and more about, you know, celebrating a person's life instead of saying, hey, you know, uh, do this or do that. But with that in mind, since we're at the end of the episode, I want to encourage you guys on Facebook to follow us, uh, facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N, a different show. Of course, I'm on Twitter, difference making M-A-K-I-N. 
You can also support black media, support making a difference uh, via Cash App. Uh, it's dollar sign making M-A-K-I-N, a different show on Cash App. Again, it's dollar sign making a different show. I want to thank everybody who's supporting um, via Cash App, man. Look, my man, J-Dub, look, you know who you are, man. Faithfully supports the show, man. I want to shout, my, shout out my man, R.S. He supports uh, via Patreon. He's, um, man, I just, a brother I know for a long time, man. Just a beautiful individual, man. Great dad. Um, great, just a great person in the community, but he's supporting and making a difference on Patreon. Um, you can support via Patreon as well. Um, it's patreon.com backslash making a difference show. And with all of that, man, I want to encourage you, of course, to follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud.com backslash making a difference. Again, SoundCloud.com backslash making a difference. Going to sign off today uh, with a song, man, that's near and dear to me from Nipsey, man. It's just something I aspire to, man, just for myself, man. Um, and that's to uh, double up. So with that, man, I just want to tell you guys I love you so much. Peace and God bless. Double up, three or four times, I ain't telling no lies, I just run it up Never let a hard time have a wuss Double up, I ain't telling no lies, I just yeah. I ain't telling no lies, I just Five, four, three, two, that's time I got to you that money My dreams come true my life in diamonds Who knew? Who knew? Soul train, took you Williams over Co-Train Eric B by the rope chains, RC we for show bang Tiny Lokes and they go crazy, what you know about the dope game? Was you born in the 80s, did your mama smoke cocaine? Have you ever seen the whole thing? Was you drove to the streets cause you grew up on show change? Fucked up when the dope bash, it remind me when these rappers drop does and they close change At the park with the low fade, I was standing in front of Nicks with my sack for the whole day Drive-bys, I was road rage, and we park and hop out, learn levels to this whole thing Old school play the OJs, tryna make a slow change, mama still slaving for a low wage Tryna double up, yeah. three or four times, I ain't telling no lies, I just run it up Never let a hard time have a wuss Double up. I ain't telling no lies. I just. Yeah, 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 yeah. I ain't telling no lies. I just. Five, four, three, two. That's how I got to you. That money. My dreams come true. My life in diamonds. Who knew? Who knew?
getting banged on for your penalties. What you know about your response be the reason you exist. Lucky I ain't get caught up in the twist. Young nigga, blue pager on my hip, so as the champagne spill and the car accelerate and the beat gon' cry. I'll be going to the bank at least three, four times. Get handshakes from the branch managers. We keep doing fly shit when the cameras cut. Double up, yeah. Three or four times, I ain't telling no lies. I just run it up. Never let a hard time humble us. Double up. I ain't telling no lies, I just. Yeah, I ain't telling no lies, I just. Five, four, three, two, that's time. I got to you that money. My dreams come true. My life in diamonds. Who knew? Who knew? Revolution will not be televised. You see, a lot of times people see, 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 see battles and skirmishes on TV and they say, aha, the revolution is being televised. Nah, the results of the revolution are being televised. The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. What you see later on is the results of that, but the revolution, that change that takes place will not be televised.